0: Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Good morning, everybody around the world. You know, we've been in 155 nations now. And I don't know where you are at, but if you are tuning into the podcast, we say thank you. And if we've encouraged you, or strengthened you, challenged you in any way, tell somebody about the podcast. That would help us out tremendously. But you know what we do? We're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you, my friend, can get it out there and get some stuff done for Jesus. And he's all about turning cities upside down, righting wrongs. That's what the power of the gospel does. I'm telling you, it comes into someone's life, and I'm telling you, it just (sighs) brings truth, brings light, brings strength, brings freedom, brings turnaround to that situation. Hallelujah. And we thank the Lord for it. We thank the Lord for you. Uh, Let's see. Something that we're doing as well, you've heard me share this before, but uh, we produce the podcast episodes on CD. That's right. CD. I've got one right here. This is No Apologies for Being the Church, episode 26. Boy, that was back in 2020. Hallelujah. That was a great episode there. And if you know somebody that that's the best way that they could get a hold of the content, it would be our honor to ship them a CD at no charge. Just send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Let us know who and where, and we'll get that right out to them. All right, let's jump into the episode, the podcast today. And uh, we're going to go a little bit further here on this thought the rhythm of unity. The rhythm of unity. Now, this is what we said when we're talking about uh, rhythm. And we were kind of playing off the analogy of, you know, instrumentation or music, et cetera. It doesn't have to use that analogy, but that seems like a common one. That was an easy one. But, uh, you know, God calls you into relationships with certain folks, and in Acts 17, he says that he has uh, laid out the boundaries and the parameters of people's lives, and uh, he knows exactly where you are to be. God is the great orchestrator, and he has already been into the future, and he's already mapped out our lives and he will call us into relationships with folks. He will define relationships. They may be for seasons, they may be for a reason, but he defines it. For example, the marriage covenant, that is a definition, a relationship that has parameters, it has protocols, it has anointed positions and places. And we see there, there's a head body. Well, God will call you into other relationships. Maybe he'll call you to a particular place of employment. Maybe he'll lead you to start a business. Maybe he'll call you to a church family or to an organization. Well, these are all a part of the appointed times and seasons that God has mapped out for us. Whenever we realize that we've been called into a particular place, uh, in particularly if we realize that we've been called into the body role of a particular defined relationship, The responsibility then, it becomes ours, to maintain a synchronous movement, a cohesion, a cadence. We're to match the cadence. We're to find the uh, timing, if you will, and then play in time with what God's called us to. Um, You know, if we're playing with our concept here, the rhythm of unity, let's bring some definition. Okay, so rhythm is the harmonious sequence or correlation of activity. The harmonious sequence or correlation of activity. Again, when you're called into a family, a church family, uh, some other di- uh, dimension of family, like a uh, you know an organization or a business, you know it's kind of a family environment. Uh, when you've been called into a marriage, wh- you know whatever you've been called into, then your burden becomes keeping in time with uh, whoever is responsible for setting that rhythm or cadence. Now there's kind of a uh, there's a, um, a working together of sorts, but there is a head position, an anointed head position that will be tasked or held responsible for keeping the cadence or the rhythm of whatever that particular body is responsible for. So when you and I then get out of sync or out of rhythm, that right there is called discord. Discord simply defined as lack of harmony. Now, there's various ways that you and I could accidentally even fall into um, discord or strife or division. It doesn't mean we're necessarily malicious. Like I said, there's various ways we could accidentally fall into it. But again, it's our burden of responsibility to make sure that we are staying in tune, staying in time. We are playing harmoniously with all the other elements of this body that God's called us to be a part of. Again, we maintain responsibly these rhythms. And rhythm is maintained when everyone seeks to serve one another rather than being served themselves first. And a very simple rule here when it comes to this Ephesians 5 mystery of Christ and the church, the revelation there is the Presence of a head and a body. Okay, so one of our first responsibilities in, in a new facet or a new season uh, or a new relationships that God has called us into is to locate who's the head of this thing. Uh, maybe there is a collective head, but, but where where, and what and who is the head of this thing? Because they set the rhythm, they set the time they set the scale, the key, if you will, the musical key. They are setting the vision, and I have to stay in tune in step uh, with that vision. What is division? Okay, I, we may have defined this in our last episode, but what is division? Very simply, okay, the absolute base core definition or concept of division is this it's the reality of this compound word, die, D I, die, di, vision. Die is uh die means two. So division at its root, its very basic root, is the injection of a second and competing vision. That's division. If you have two visions, then the body is going to be conflicted. You know, this is why, like, um, you know, if you understand the mystery of a head body, okay, head body. It's not good that a head should be alone. That's what we found out early on. God, there's the Godhead, uh, Psalm 8. The angels were seeing this mystery creation. They're saying, what is man that you are so mindful of him that you have placed him below the Elohim or the Godhead? Well, that was the body. That was the body of Christ. And uh, what a privilege to be invited into that body. But there's one head, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head of the body. We have been invited, placed in the body as he sees fit. And, uh, so we, uh, uh, recognize we yield to the definition of our place. And then we yield to the orchestration that is maintained via the head. So the head is always tasked with the vision. Uh, where are the eyes? The eyes are not in the body. The eyes are in the head. And, uh, but yet where are the hands and feet? The hands and feet are not in the head. The hands and feet are connected to the body. And so there's a complementary. um, reality here. Uh, The the body is complementary and comparable to the head, and the head is complementary and comparable to the body, yet totally different anointings, totally different strengths, totally different abilities, but yet they were designed to fit together seamlessly to have a total outworking here. But again, in keeping with our analogy, the eyes are in the head, the vision is in the head. So the anointing It's not that the head's better than the body. It's just it's a predefined role designed and orchestrated by the creator. We yield to these definitions. But the head is what maintains that uh, cadence, the rhythm. And particularly, the head is tasked with making sure that all the diversities of activities are synchronized. They're not competing and they're not pulling against one another or pulling apart. They stay together in this amazing uh, rhythm, this harmony, this synchronization, this flow, ebb and flow—you uh, know, uh, it's it's this beautiful symphony when uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, so this is what's important here: is you can have a lot of activity, you can have a, 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 again a diversity, uh, difference. Uh, you can have a multitude, it can be multi multifaceted, but at the end of the day, all these things have to work together. So division then, um, which can breed offense, people can get offended, but the offense is connected to the injection of a competing vision or a vision that does not sync together in harmonious activity uh, that the head is tasked with. And so two visions becomes uh, the crack Maybe the access point in which offenses, bitterness, strife can get in there, but two vision is two visions is most Lee, most commonly the reason why you've got some sort of problems in say a marriage or a business or a team or a group or a church, an organization anywhere that there is a head body. Revelation or facet of outworking, anytime you get like some sort of conflict, more times than not, it's because somebody tried to introduce a competing vision. You know, you've heard this phrase, anything with two heads is a monster. Well, the reason for that is because you can't have two competing visions. Somebody must yield to somebody else. And this is the mystery of the head and the body who submits to who well the reality is the body submits to the head but yet they work together for a common objective and goal it's just that there's anointings that are unique to the head that are different than the body but there's anointings for the body that are unique to the body and different to the head hallelujah and we're going to get it sorted praise god but when you see the revelation then you can understand your place. You will recognize the anointing that you carry, the grace that's on you. For example, if you're part of the body, and let's say you're the elbow, but one day you get this crazy idea that, no, you want to be the eyes. You want to set the vision. Can you, I mean, can you see the the problem with that? The elbow isn't anointed to see. It doesn't mean the elbow is less than, or uh, you know somehow inferior, no, it is, at, it is actually such a unique component that unless it functions in its place and yields to its anointing and grace, then it diminishes everybody else. The eyes can't do its job properly if the elbow is not in its place. The outworking of the vision would not uh, be the same if it weren't for all the various pieces in the body. So again, you can have a lot of activity. You can have a lot of activity in a marriage, a family, an organization, a church. This is all good. This is all great. But all this activity must maintain rhythm. It must work together in unison. If a particular activity is not in unison or in sync with the body, this single activity has the very real potential of becoming the point or the point of origination of discord, strife, or division. And that's problematic, friends. Said another way, when any activity pulls against the direction of the body that you are called to, whether it's a, a, a particular body being the family, you know, the husband, wife, children, a particular body being like an organization, you've got a board of directors, say, you have a president, say, or you have a CEO, say, or uh, maybe you have a pastor, you know, or, you know, that where, wherever there's a body, in its outworking, there's a mandate, a mission, there's a head and a body, wherever that is, if these activities, you know, if, if, if the ankle pulls against the rest of the body, if the knee pulls against, you know, if the shoulders pull against, um, that, that object right there, uh, that activity becomes the originating point, strife, division, contention, bitterness can set in, uh, you know, gangrene, spiritual gangrene. There's can be a rot that is introduced now, and it begins to hinder uh, and to break up the uh, fruit, uh, the progression, the momentum, the movement, the cohesion of what that body was called to do. You don't want to be uh, in that root of discord. You don't want to be the cause of it. You don't want to be the cause of division at all. Now, let's back up just a little bit here. And so we're saying that uh, in every dynamic, and you and I uh, live on both sides of this because we're not the head everywhere, okay? And the predominant role that we play, or let me say it like this, the majority of the roles that we play are probably in a body role. We are called to help and support someone else the majority of the time. Again, if you are a leader, if you are a president, a CEO, if you're a team leader, a group leader, uh, if you're part of a board, you know, if you are part of, um, you you know, anything, you know, uh, if you're leading your children, um, I mean, if you are in a head position, uh, that reality is you're setting the vision. uh, You are tasked with, keeping the cadence and the rhythm of the rest of the body. But I'm saying those positions that you're in as a head, you are not the head everywhere. Just because you're the head there doesn't mean you're the head everywhere. Uh, You know, I'm the head of our ministry here in Harrison, Arkansas. But as soon as I step out of this environment, as soon as I leave this role, this place, this God-ordained, God-defined arrangement, and I go and I serve another ministry, uh, I'm not the head there. You know, unless I'm sitting on a board or directors unless I'm you know unless I'm in like some sort of uh, oversight or uh, overseer role uh you know unless they put me in charge of a particular team I'm just a part of the body you know the majority of the things that I do in my life are in an anointed position of a body role serving the vision of someone else who's been anointed to carry that vision there's only a couple of uh, uh, dynamics where I'm actually the head and how healthy, uh, is it to play both sides? It's very healthy. You know, some people think that they're the head everywhere and they're not, but they think they're the boss everywhere. They, they think they're just amazing everywhere and they lead in such a way they, um, you know, if you don't experience the privilege of being in a body position and, experiencing the privilege of having to submit to another, then you're not a very good leader, actually. Some people think that they just dominate everyone, everything, wherever they go. Man, how twisted is their reality? And I'm telling you, a good, uh, uh, let's see, how do I word it? A really good experience that has helped my leadership is actually having to serve and submit to another leader because the way that they treated me is a reality check for uh, you know checking in on how am I treating those that are anointed and called alongside me to be you know the body part of my leadership. You know, having experienced both sides of this thing on a regular basis has been tremendously helpful to my leadership. But yet, I don't think people have realized uh, how imperative it is um, that when they are a leader and they recognize the responsibility they carry for setting vision, how imperative it is that when they step over into the other dynamics in their life where they're part of the body, that they don't fight against the vision of the leadership or the headship they've been called to serve. How counterintuitive is that? You don't want to reap those seeds that you've sown where you are insubordinate over here in one aspect of your life, and yet you demand total submission in this other area of your life. That is, people are living very confused lives. Hallelujah, Lord help us. So again, we are tasked, as leaders say, with keeping rhythm. But yet, if you are in a body position, you're one of the instruments in the orchestra, say, it is also your burden to make sure that you stay in this harmonious sequence. All right, I'm looking for some notes here. I, I want to uh, look at something really quick here. Let me see right here. Let me find it. Um, okay. Let's see right here, right here, right here. First uh, Corinthians 12, 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. So we're seeing here, there's a revelation. There are so many people involved in the body of Christ. And then it says um, that he, he has placed these members. Verse 18, the Amplified says this. But now as things really are, God has placed and arranged the parts in the body, each one of them, just as he willed and saw fit with the best balance of function. Oh, I love that, uh, the way the Amplified added that thought there. He has arranged the body in the uh, best balance and function, meaning uh, if you are called in the leadership, you didn't just choose that. God arranged it but that's not in every dimension of your life. You may be a leader in one or two areas, maybe four or five areas, but that's not the vast majority. There will be other parts, other critical arrangements, where God has literally called and ordained and anointed you to be a part of the body, not a part of headship, not a part of leadership, but a part of the body. And both of these arrangements are his orchestration. Again, some people think, well, I'm in the body here. I must be the body everywhere. No, he, he may have an area for you where he's saying you need to step up and be, uh, walk in that headship anointing here. Or if you're in a place of leadership, some people think they're just in leadership everywhere, and they try and dominate and lead. And what happens is they end up kind of bullying. Uh, they end up trying dominating. They end up trying to force rather than, hey, wake up, bro, wake up, sis, you're not the leader here. You may be the leader over there, but you're not here. And here, what's appropriate is you yield to the definition that you are in a submissive role as a part of the body, serving the vision of whoever is anointed to be the head in that scenario or arrangement. Now, I already quoted Acts 17, but that verse is so phenomenal I don't want us to forget it because it says he has determined our boundaries. He alone has set and determined our appointed times and seasons. There may be a season and there may be a reason that you are not in leadership. You are part of the body. Or there may be a season for a particular reason that God has anointed you to be in a headship position. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art, the Amplified says, created in Christ Jesus, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand so that we would walk in them and live the life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Listen, God is totally orchestrating this. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is the head of the body. Um, that's the mac- uh, That's the macro. That's the 30,000-foot view. That's the ultimate here. He has the preeminence in all things, but he has arranged under shepherds, he has arranged, uh, um, you know, various dimensions. Uh, the marriage is one. The nuclear family is one. The church family is one. Uh, there's various uh, dimensions to where that same revelation is implemented. There, where you have a head and you have a body. All the members, come on, all of us have been uniquely called to be in various places. So like, you know, if God's called you to be a part of a ministry, remember that story Jesus shared about this, what was it, a wedding party? And this person walks in, and they immediately just go straight up to the head table, okay? Notice the phrasing here. One translation called it the chief table, okay? Uh, It's called the head table. Why? Because it's the table uh, that was reserved for the object of honor in that setting or arrangement. That's where the head sits. Uh, And so this story that Jesus told was somebody who come in and rather than yielding to humility and taking a body seat, they immediately assumed maybe they are a leader in another environment. Maybe they're used to sitting at the head table in other arrangements and environments, and they assume that in this one, well, if I'm the head over here, I must be the head here too, and so they assume to go up to the front and take a seat at the head table. Well, guess what happened? Somebody came up to them and say, "Hey, actually, this is reserved uh, for somebody else. Can you go ahead and get up and go take a seat in the back?" and there's a couple different places where this reality is expressed that it would be better, okay, it would be better to assume that you and I are just in a privileged body position and assume that we sit in the back and it would be so much better to take that place first and have somebody else come back there and say, hey, wait, bro, we actually want to promote you up to the front. That's, that is better than having somebody come up to you because you assumed you were in an anointed role of headship and to say, actually, hey, that's not your place. That's not your grace. You're not anointed to do that. I'm going to have to ask you to go ahead and move and go take a seat in the back. So you understand that our first thought here is to simply assume because the ultimate arrangement is Jesus is the head we've been privileged to be invited into the body. And we uh, humility would actually stress to us. Humility would actually counsel of us that in whatever arrangement we're in, that we assume that I'm just going to take a seat here in the back and just be willing to serve rather than assuming that my ultimate place is to lead all these folks. It is a high calling it is a weighty calling, it is a serious calling, to be uh, 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 anointed, to be brought up to a head seat, but that shouldn't be our first assumption, in particularly in new environments. Like we need leaders, and we need people who are anointed to be the head, and they do it phenomenally. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, just so grateful. I'm so thankful. I am uh, honored. Uh, immensely honored uh, to have been promoted to the leadership that I walk in today. But I didn't get here because I assumed this place was for me. I got here because of, of the total willingness and the desire even to simply be in the back, just moving stuff around, being hands and feet. Here I am. What do you have for me to do? That is the appropriate First posture that we have. In fact, we're told that in Romans twelve, this is your reasonable service. Uh, your reasonable service as a new believer in Christ Jesus is to offer your body a living sacrifice, like it is reasonable, meaning it doesn't even take any spiritual insight. Like this is reasonable; it is sensible, meaning everybody. It is common sense to assume that what Jesus has done for me, that I would simply offer him my hands and feet to be about whatever he would have need of. That's the body posture. What do you need? I have the hands to do it. Where where do you need to go? I have the feet to carry you there. What, what do you need? I have the shoulders upon which you can, uh, you know, uh, let me carry you upon my shoulders. I have the shoulders. I have the fan, hands. I have the feet. That's, that's the body's anointing is to be able to do that. And that's our first assumption is that we have been privileged to be a part of the body to serve uh, the vision of someone else. Um, and again, you know, that's how I got here. Uh, years and years and years and years and years of arresting ambition, of uh, uh, decreasing. Remember what John the Baptist said, I must decrease. We must go low. It's the preeminence of Jesus, the head. Now, there is only one ultimate head, and he gets all the honor and the preeminence and the worship. We don't dare worship another human being. We do not dare worship leaders, uh, worship team leaders, pastors, presidents, uh, people in headship roles. We don't worship them, uh, it, but but there is a reality that there is an honor associated with leadership and headship because it is a derivative of the ultimate leader, the ultimate head, Jesus Christ, and so all the body. Uh, wherever these predefined, uh, predetermined arrangements are, the body takes on um, that its first object of honor is the head. So the head goes first. Uh, The head gets double honor, but double honor and no more. Double honor for a man and no more. Uh, Again, the ultimate head is Jesus, and we fall prostrate and worship. But we don't do that to a man but yet there is appropriate protocol and response to somebody that's in a leadership role because the anointing, uh, it's not better than ours. It's just different. Uh, the body has a particular response to the head. The head has a particular response to the body. Now, people uh, abuse it. People take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of whacks and crazies and pride and selfish and ambitious people out there. Yeah, there's gobs of them but that's not you and I. And so we're going to honor these roles, honor these anointings, and we're going to get blessed for it. Hallelujah. We're going to get blessed. Now in my personal story, uh, you know, I'm in a place of leadership now. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I still don't serve, but yet how did I get here? It's because I was so willing, constantly willing, putting myself down, putting my vision down. You don't get promoted, uh, because you have a competing vision. In fact, that's cause for removal in a lot of instances. That becomes a, a, a cancerous chaos when somebody tries to walk in an anointing that's not designed for them. That'll backfire. And uh, I think I shared this before on the podcast, but when I was serving my pastor, uh, there was a moment when, one day, uh, we have a downstairs here in our facility, and um, we were moving tables and here I was on one end of the table and my pastor was on the other end. The anointed headship in my life was on the other end. All right. And, uh, we picked up the table and you know what? Some people, uh, some, some people don't pass this test. And I just praise God. I passed the test because that's what it was. It was a test. And, uh, I'm not saying he was testing me. Um, but the Lord was weighing my heart here. And uh, my pastor at that time may not have even had a a clue of what was going on in my heart, but the Lord was doing something in my heart in that moment. And uh, here we were, I had picked up my end, he had picked up his end, and uh, here's what he said. He said, where should this table go? Now, this is where a lot of people, if you have a competing vision, if you have selfish ambition, if you have any kind of pride in your heart, this is where a lot of people look to take advantage of moments just like this right here. This is where they're going to try and inject their own vision or estimation into a situation. Now, I want to make a clear distinction. We're not talking about yes people. Uh, yes people have a hidden agenda, and it's devilish. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about people that are just constantly um, contradicting either. We'll talk about that in another episode. Um, contention is looking for any place to contradict. Well, and that's because you have a hidden agenda as well. If you're constantly contradicting, it's because you have a competing vision. All right, so we got to separate those extremes out. But here I was, where should this table go? And I'm telling you, I was in a moment that could have dramatically altered my future. And I may have not have even known it. I could have made a decision that could have derailed uh, my usability before the Lord. And here I was, I had my end of the the table. He had his end of the table, and we could have started competing uh, on where this table was going to go. But he asked me, where should this table go? And I said, wherever you want. Hallelujah, somebody. I had victory that day. Oh, thank God for it. I'm so thankful that I recognized the privileged, anointed place that I had and I was part of the body. I was hands and feet. I was in a position to yield to the instruction of an anointed headship in my life. Now, totally, sure, people abuse that. We're not talking about the abusers. We're not talking about those who have misused, uh, 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 abused, uh, mistreated people. That's, That's common. That's out there. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about for me. I don't even know what he was thinking in that moment. He probably believed, I don't know. I mean, he may not even known where the table needed to go. I mean, he probably was potentially relying on me to give some, you know, direction here or whatever. But I'm saying I won a victory that day. Justin did. Justin realized that it was actually a pleasure to yield my members in service to uh, somebody who was anointed to be in a head position over me. I won a victory that day because I wasn't trying to play my own song. I wasn't trying to toot my own horn. I wasn't dancing to the beat of my own drum. I simply realized how an, how amazing it is to be anointed to just be a part of the symphony. I was one of you know thousands of people that just chose not to stand out at the wrong time. It wasn't my time for a solo, friends. It was my time to simply yield my vessel as a living sacrifice to the Lord's work. I uh, won that day. I had a victory victory. That day. And I'm telling you, it set it set me free. It set me free, number one, to where I could cast the care of responsibilities that weren't mine. You know, it it set me free from having an opinion about everything that I didn't have responsibility for. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to have an opinion for things you're not responsible for. The body is free uh to be able to cast cares. And weights and concerns about things that you're not anointed to have solutions for. Hallelujah. Oh, I was set free that day. Oh, praise God. Oh, I'm thankful for it. And you know what? That allowed me to actually develop a perspective. And a um, it allowed me to, to, to have uh, uh, an understanding of what it means to be in that role. Things that I didn't like. Things, you know, maybe I thought I was mistreated or, you know, how they would communicate or talk. and I had phenomenal leaders, but yet I was I was privy to recognizing, uh, you know, good leadership, things that that made me that built built in me that that strengthened me, that encouraged me, um, you know, a type of leadership that was sacrificial, that wasn't dominating, tyrannical, but that was self-sacrificing. That's what literally, Headship is told in Ephesians 5, it was a personal conversation between Jesus and the anointed head. And so I had uh, the privilege of being on the receiving end of some phenomenal leadership. And it just it just developed in me, hey, I need to be the type of leader that's going to bless others because I know what it's like to be led. I want to be the kind of leader that literally demonstrates self-sacrifice because I w- I, I know what it's like. To submit myself to somebody's uh, to somebody uh, else's will and decisions, and so it gave me a perspective here that man, some people uh, they need to go back to school because they need to learn that uh, they don't like the way they're being treated, but yet then they turn around and totally dominate other people. I mean, it's 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 hypocritical. Uh, so I was privileged. Uh, in that sense there. And then, you know, that verse in Luke where it says, who's going to give you your own if you're not faithful in what is another man's? Listen, God's not going to promote you into leadership or headship if you've not been found faithful in being in a body role. God takes this very seriously. And the ultimate is not headship. I'm not saying that's the ultimate. But I'm saying it is a place in the body that God has defined and he does orchestrate and occasionally, he will call people into that place. But yet, um, it, to, to, to qualify is you have to be found faithful in your body role. The greatest leaders are the greatest followers. The greatest leaders are the, are, have learned the, uh, the righteousness of submission. Those make the finest leaders, and I pray when I grow up that I be just like them, that have learned these powerful truths, uh, have yielded themselves, have submitted themselves uh, to the leadership of others. I'm telling you, they make the finest leaders. Some of the nastiest, dirtiest, meanest leaders that I've ever had the, (laughs) you know, um, I guess privilege to recognize were people that did not submit well. They didn't take instruction well. They didn't listen to counsel well. They had no counsel. They had no counsel. They didn't submit well. Uh, They had to be in control and dominating every aspect of their life. And ultimately, their leadership is poor because of it. Again, you won't find anybody um, that's a phenomenal leader that doesn't submit somewhere because they're not the leader everywhere. Remember that story? Uh, not the story, but the, the certain uh, uh, centurion, the soldier that Jesus marveled at the kind of faith this guy had. And you know what he said? He said, I do what I'm told, and I've got people under me that do what they're told. And he said to Jesus, all you have to do is say the word, and this situation is going to respond. See, he understood what it meant to be under authority he understood what it meant for that authority to give an in instruction and all the anointed body elements underneath that authority would yield to the command out of the head. And he said, Jesus, he, he placed himself. Notice he said, I'm not even worthy that you would come under my roof. But what was he saying? He recognized the headship and the preeminence that the word Jesus had, and he said, all you have to do is release that word. And he said, I and all of my household will do as that word commands. We will be the recipients of that spoken word. And Jesus marveled. He marveled. Oh, he marveled. He said, I I haven't found faith like this even in the house of Israel. Hallelujah, somebody, for that. So we thank the Lord for it. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4-5, it says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Some people, when they think about uh, you know, their role in the body, or if you, know, if you take the whole uh, analogy or metaphor, say, of the body, head, body, uh, some people struggle with just being one of the elements in the body. But here's what the Lord's stone He said, well, there's diversities of gifts. There are differences of ministries. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 5. And there are diverse, diversities of activities. But notice the same spirit, the same Lord, and the same God, the same head orchestrates all these movements. But sometimes people struggle because they think, well, I'm just going to be a sea of faces. I'm just going to be one of thousands. Well, yeah, but the privilege of being in the body. And sometimes people struggle with submission is because they want to try and control everything. So the problem is not your place in the body. The problem is your yieldedness to the grace, the anointing, and the definition that God, the parameters, the boundaries, the appointment that God has defined your place uh, with. Uh, The problem isn't anybody else but you or me. If I would struggle, well, you know, I'm not on the stage. Uh, uh, you know, when they say names, they don't say my name. You know, when they're thanking all of our leaders, they don't say my name. Hey, you may have a vision for leadership, but listen—if you don't own your place in the body, if you don't own that your instrument, your gift, your grace simply harmonizes—if you don't own the fact that maybe you're not going to get a solo every Sunday, um, you're going to be you're you're going to be conflicted. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you that you become a, the weak link in the chain in which the devil can breach and breed strife, division, contention, slander, gossip. Don't be that person, friend. Don't be that person. It may not be your time to have a solo. You, it may not be your time yet to be promoted in the leadership. Now, if you have a leadership call, then guess what? it may be years, it may be decades, come on, it it may be a long time that he's training you, he's training you, he's teaching you, like you're learning how to lead body parts, you're learning how to lead an orchestra Uh, by your intense training in being in that role, you're learning how, how to not be a tyrant, You're learning how to not be a dominator. You're learning how to not force people. You're learning how to teach people how to yield. Oh, don't discount your training. Leadership may be decades in the future for you in a particular area that you think you want to be in. In fact, you may be totally missing areas of leadership that he's given you right now. Are you faithful in the little are, are you being the best you can be in the little things right now? Are you decreasing? Have you embraced humility? You know, put yourself in that scenario that I was in. If you picked up the end of the table uh, in, with your leader, whatever, whatever team, whatever department, uh, whatever business, whatever organization, let's say that you're on the other end of that table And it's obvious that the headship leadership is on the opposite end from you. How would that play out? Do you have to have your opinion heard? Do you have to get your way? Do you have to struggle and fight and tug and pull on the end of that table? Listen, if you can't pass this test of simply being told what to do and be excited about it, You've got a little more training left friends. That pocket those elements of pride in you are going to have to get rooted out or it's going to become a chink in your armor as you stand in a role of leadership. That 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 pride chink in your armor is what the devil's going to try and usurp in you, take advantage of, exploit in you and cause you to become dominating, tyrannical, uh, ridiculous Rude dog. I mean, <laughs> you don't let the devil exploit you and become somebody that forces, forces rather than sacrificially leads, uh, uh, sac- uh, sacrificially leads. Jesus modeled that when he grabbed the towel and said, let me wash your feet, guys. And they're like, no, 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 no. Hey, no, no, no. You are a king. We're going to hire 500 peasants to come in here you know, and scrub underneath your toenails, Jesus. And he said, no, no. Now, if you don't let me serve you, if you don't let me get in this posture, take this towel and wash your nasty feet, he says, you have no part in me. Listen, friends, those are stout words right there, but I think they got the point. In various times, they were arguing. there, like, hey, we want to be on your left and right side. And they said, no, no, no. Jesus said, uh, <laughs> do you even realize the cup that's required to drink of this leadership? You want to be up here in front. You want to be on my left and right side. You want to be king. So, okay, do you know the cup that's required of the Heavenly Father? The sacrifice that's required to walk in a role of headship and leadership. And the reality is at that point in time, those thunder boys they, they didn't realize that. They didn't realize what exactly was going to be required um, of their desire to simply be Leaders, rulers. You know, in another place, Jesus said, don't be like the world. Don't be like the world who what? Lords, lords, dominates their people because they're in a, quote, place of leadership. I mean, look at what's going on in our own nation. Do you like that kind of leadership? Forcing you to do things? Forcing you to do things? No, you don't. And the fact that was one unique thing about our, um, uh, constitutional Republic is that it recognized individuals standing before God. Hallelujah. We didn't need somebody come in and tyrannically, tell everybody what they should do, micromanaging everything. The head uh, doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily responsible to dominate everybody. In fact, Ephesians 5, Jesus specifically had a conversation with the head and it had nothing to do with making the body submit that was a private conversation jesus had with the body he went to the body and said i want you to submit to the head again the head doesn't have hands or arms in which to bind the body with no it's a personal conversation jesus had with the body he said i've anointed you to help the head I've anointed you. I've created you uh, to be comparable and compatible. But here's your responsibility. I want you to choose to submit. You know what he told the head? He did not say. He did not say, make the body submit. Make sure the body does what it's supposed to do. No, no, he did not say that. He did not say that. Nowhere did he have a conversation with the head to make sure that the body submits. But here's what he told the head. He said, I want you to wash them. I want you to love them, the body. And he said, I want you to sacrifice for it. Just like me, he told the head, do what I did. Give up your life for the body. See to it that they're washed and cleansed and they come into their destiny. Hallelujah. Love leads. Love leads fear forces faith follows. Hallelujah I'm gonna leave you with that friends. So we're talking about the rhythm of unity and we kind of uh, jumped in a little bit here on the roles of head and body. listen if you get the if, if you misunderstand those roles if, if, if you are totally oblivious and unaware of your defined place you're gonna have a hard time keeping rhythm. You're going to be out of cadence all the time. You're going to find out you're playing to the wrong key. How embarrassing is that, friend? Spare yourself the embarrassing act of humiliation by going into it with the proper uh, perspective ahead of time. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you were encouraged. Hope you got something out of that. Hey, if we can pray for you, it would be our honor you can reach out to us several ways. Send us an email with your prayer request, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. We have people that pray over them. Or if you want to talk to somebody, you can call us at 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. It would be our privilege to join our faith with yours, friend. We believe that you're going to turn cities upside down. If you just need a little bit of encouragement, we're here for you. Hallelujah. And again, I want to say thank you to those who have supported the podcast. Uh, This podcast is made possible by friends and partners. All this financial support, we say thank you. Hallelujah. It is helping us get the word out. If you would like to participate in some way financially, we invite you to do so. You be led. But several ways you can do that. One way is go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. You can find out information how to partner with us right there. Hallelujah. We're in. Uh, this is going to be a wrap. That's a wrap. This is a wrap. Bringing the podcast to a close. Listen, friends, until next time, be blessed.